0: I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. In this special bonus midterms episode, I have a conversation with the International Chair for Democrats Abroad, Candace Karistan. Candace reviews the process for requesting and sending in your ballot to vote in this year's midterms if you're living abroad. We talk about activism from abroad and why these voters are driven to participate and help Democrats win in November. And please take note, the deadline for requesting your ballot is coming up really, really soon. So if you're a Democrat working and or living abroad, or you know someone who's living abroad, please share this episode, then visit DemocratsAbroad.org. And in the meantime, please enjoy my conversation with Candace Karistan. Candace Karistan, welcome.
1: Hello, so
0: glad to be here. So first of all, where are you calling from? Because we have a pretty big, big time difference, right? We
1: do. Uh, I am tuning in
0: to you after my workday in Munich, Germany. Oh, wow. Okay. Do we have an estimate? I'm just curious, and maybe you don't have this number, but what's the estimate of Americans living abroad, working abroad? Do we have that number? We do,
1: and I hope you're sitting. because uh, <laughs> one. Okay. Um, we have an estimated 9 million U.S. citizens living outside of the United States. So if you look at that number, it would actually make us the uh, 39th largest U.S. state. <laughs> so quite a few of us.
0: Right, right. And I'm, I'm curious, and the reason I ask this next question, but I'm, I'm curious about the typical profile of someone who is either working or living outside of the U.S. And I ask that question because there is this interesting map that I came across. It, it was published on The Atlantic, And, you know, there's this perception of America and Americans that we aren't as, you know, well-traveled as other people in other parts of the world. You know, I think like less than 40%, maybe like 35% of Americans hold a passport. But anyhow, this map that was published on The Atlantic was trying to break down passport holders by their political affiliation, right? Or the assumed political affiliation. And the map is pretty clear. Like if you look at the states, the highest number of passport holders are states that you would consider blue states, right? Democratic states, like you know, mm-hmm. New Jersey, New York, California. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there's, you know, Mississippi, which has like, you know, maybe one in five residents hold a passport. Mississippi, Virginia, Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas. I don't know. So I what do you, why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, well, I think maybe a good starting point for this is just a little quick introduction to Democrats Abroad and who comes to us and what types of Americans we encounter overseas. So Democrats Abroad is what we call a state party within the Democratic National Committee. So there's all 50 states. Um, For example, you being based in Washington, there's the Washington Democratic Party, 50 states, the territories and the Democrats Abroad to really provide a route of activism and voting. For those 9 million Americans who are living outside of the United States, including this November for the midterms. But in terms of of types of Americans that I've encountered, I've been abroad since 2013. There's really a whole spectrum of people you encounter who are living outside of the U.S. uh, And all of whom care very deeply about what is still happening stateside. In my case, I came over as an exchange student during my bachelor's studies and moved over once I graduated and stayed here. You see that a lot in the 20 and 30 age range uh, with people who did study abroad, liked it and decided to pursue a career or perhaps met a partner while they were abroad. So, again, we see a lot of young professionals Uh, who had their path as an exchange student. We also see a lot of retirees. I was just visiting uh, with our Democrats Abroad Spain group, and there are a lot of people who have chosen to spend their retirement abroad, so particularly in countries uh, like Spain, like Mexico, like Costa Rica, for example. We see a lot of higher retiree populations. And beyond that, uh, there is a significant amount of dual citizens. So, uh, again, people who might have an American parent or were born in the United States and had their path to citizenship that way, as well as naturalized citizens uh, who are back in their country of birth. So, long story <laughs> about Democrats abroad, but to go back to your link then to specific states, uh, we do see high concentrations of California voters who are living overseas. Uh, California, Washington, and New York are actually, and Florida are the three mo- or four most populous states with citizens and communities outside of those states so in terms of political affiliation i think a lot of it just goes back to you know these experiences that we have had living overseas access to affordable education healthcare focus on combating climate change and we're really all working and coming together to to transport those experiences back to our voting states
0: they are obviously still very much invested and engaged in American politics. I'm just curious as to what that connection is. I mean, I know you're, you're telling me this anecdotally, and there are lots of people and they have lots of different views, but just what's your take on that?
1: I think one of the biggest things, especially coming out of uh, the Trump presidency, was a newfound sense of, of connectedness and patriotism um, to the country that a lot of us grew up with. And there was a really deep emotional connection, I think, that Unfortunately, uh, you know, him coming to power prompted within a lot of us. And what I mean by that was, as an American abroad from 2016 to 2020, you were asked nearly every day by your uh, foreign co-workers or uh, friends and family, you know, what the heck is going on in your country? Again, it's the country that we saw particularly in that phase and continue to see in Republican-dominated states, is not the country that, that any of us want the United States to be. And it's difficult when you're sitting overseas and living in a country that does have, for example, gun safety laws, and you see that there's a massacre at an elementary school. Um, we've seen that this can be done better, and we've made a commitment to make sure that it does become better back in the United
0: States. Yeah, that's something that I, I have a personal connection to because my husband is from New Zealand. He's a New Zealand citizen. I, I try to explain the, this emotional connection that I have to America and our history and our culture. There's still this emotional connection to America. And this, you know, experiment <laughs> that we're still kind of, you know, at the very beginning of, although it seems like it's been forever, you know, the experiment is 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 ongoing. Um, A couple of summers ago, you know, there were lots of protests in the street following the the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, and following the overturning of Roe v. Wade. There were lots of protests, I think, in France and other countries. You know, what is their emotional connection to us and their faith in, you know, (laughs) that we'll get it right at some point?
1: The United States, again, this is from my experience in Germany, is still very much seen as as a partner. Um, and as something worth emulating. Now, of course, we we really uh, had some damage done to that image and reputation, um, again, under the Trump presidency. But nonetheless, and I think people's hope, my hope was certainly restored when we elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. At the end of the day, as you just said, you know, there's there's this American experiment and this really novel democratic experiment that at the end of the day we are attached to, we believe in it. And when I say we, I mean, we as as global citizens around the world strongly believe that this is worth pursuing and emulating again, regardless of where we're living. Uh, The ideals that of equality, of of freedom, those resonate as basic human rights and human values. You know, and beyond that, I think that from 2016 to 2020, to just Harp on a little bit more about this window. There was a sense that American leadership was lacking. And since President Biden has been in the White House, again, we've seen this renewed trust, this renewed interest in having America as a partner. Um, and he's really restored leadership on the global stage. So I think, you know, speaking with my German family and friends, there is a sense of relief worldwide. And this was particularly apparent following what happened or what is happening in the Ukraine with a sigh of relief, right, that we have someone competent in the White House, that we have someone who is not going to be making rash decisions that put Americans in the United States and around the world in jeopardy. And that particular restoration of American leadership at the global stage, uh, I can't understate uh, sitting here in Munich how important that has been and how comforting that has been in our day-to-day lives
0: you know in relation to the upcoming midterm elections and and this cycle what is driving american voters overseas you know what's keeping them energized and do you do you think that energy is being matched in this cycle to what we saw in 2020 because i i would imagine that you know people were very energized to get joe biden elected in 2020 what are you seeing for this upcoming midterm cycle
1: As we go into the final two months, I think that people are fired up and ready to go uh, more than they have been since 2020. Uh, Of course, after 2020, we worked our tails off and took back the White House, took back Washington. And there was a period, I think we all experienced it right, where there was a sigh of relief we did it. It's become clear, however, that our work is not done. That became particularly clear in late May with another mass shooting in Texas, and that became even more crystal clear in June with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Since that, since those two events in particular, people are fed up. They are ready to go. They are particularly ready to take back state legislatures. Of course, growing our majorities in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate are important, I personally believe that the future of our democracy is going to play out in state legislatures. I think we see this particularly on the issue of abortion rights, and that has really motivated people. My entire life, I'm 29 years old, my entire life I have grown up, again, with an understanding that a woman has a right to choose over what she wants to do with her body, that someone looking to marry someone of the same gender can do that these are things that have been commonplace in my upbringing and in how I experienced my youth and adulthood and the thought that from one day to the next that could completely be undone scares the shit out of people and we're ready to fight and most importantly we're ready to vote
0: (laughs) so speaking of voting Um, you know, what is the process? I'm completely clueless about this. Does it vary from, I don't know, just, I guess it varies from country to country, but does it also vary from state to state, depending on like where you're mailing your ballot? So what's the process for voting abroad?
1: So the most important thing to know about voting from abroad is that if you have a U.S. passport, you can vote, uh, And do not forget that Uh, if you get turned away, come see us at Democrats Abroad if you encounter difficulties, but your right to vote as a US citizen um, is guaranteed under a federal piece of legislation called UACAVA that was passed back in 1986. So what that means is every US citizen living overseas has the right to vote for president, their US senators, and their US representative. So those three races uh, across the board you can vote in. When it comes to state elections, so we're talking things like your governor's race, your secretary of state, your maybe your state has a treasurer, these races um, and your ability to vote in them are determined at the state level. Regardless of which state you live in, there is one uniform way to request your ballot, and that is by going to votefromabroad.org. You'll fill out a form there called an FPCA. (laughs) That is a federal postcard application. You can do it all online in about 10 minutes, and it'll be sent to your local election office in the United States in your county. You'll get your ballot, and if you get that, send it back. Or rather, when you get that, send it back. It's really voting by mail in a lot of the battleground states. uh, You have to send it by postal mail, so if you're a Georgia voter, Pennsylvania voter like myself, Wisconsin, Ohio, we've got to mail it back. So plan in time. Uh, request your ballot right now so that there's enough buffer so that your ballot gets there by the deadline. Other states like Arizona and North Carolina, there's a secure online upload portal. They have it much easier. But again, all of these details can be found at votefromabroad.org, uh, where you can request your ballot and get also voter
0: assistance. So I just want to go back to something you said. You said your ability to vote in state elections, you know, the state legislative races, for instance, it depends on your state legislature and and their roles, which kind of concerns me, because does that mean that it's not as easy to vote in state legislative races from abroad in red states where there's typically more voter suppression? What does that mean exactly?
1: So it's actually pretty evenly distributed. We don't see Believe it or not, (laughs) um, a very strong distinction in terms of people's ability to vote based on whether the legislature is currently Republican or Democrat. But it does underline the importance again of why we need to vote in state elections. Who we elect to be governor, who we elect to be our state representatives and senators matters. Uh, We just had a very exciting case with this in New Jersey, uh, where we actually worked together with the New Jersey legislature to allow all New Jerseyans living overseas to also vote in state elections. That was a measure that had been undone in 2017 when Chris Christie, a Republican, was elected to the New Jersey governorship. And thanks to our teams, our advocacy teams here at Democrats Abroad, we were able to reinstate overseas voters' right to vote. In state elections.
0: So let's say, you know, you're someone who you're, you know, you're living your best life in Paris, (laughs) you've mailed your ballot in, and you're good to go for the November elections. Are there ways that you can still be active from abroad in helping in the midterms?
1: Absolutely. You can go to democratsabroad.org slash volunteer. uh, And I'm happy to give a pitch for a lot of the exciting projects that we have going on. Um, Right now we are phone banking uh, overseas voters from battleground states. So the top 11 hottest races, so to say, uh, with governorships and senator seats up for grabs, we're calling all overseas voters from those states. It's free of cost to you. You can call at any time of the day. You could, If you're up in the middle of the night, you can be calling someone in Japan or uh, in Mexico or South Africa. And it's a really great opportunity to connect and remind people to request their ballots and then help walk them through it as I just explained. So phone banking is a huge opportunity. The other thing that I would encourage everyone to do is uh, if you studied at a university to get in touch with your university international office, we have an alumni writing campaign up right now on our website, uh, democratsabroad.org on our homepage. And we want to make sure that study abroad students and academics who are teaching overseas this semester, get the information on how to vote from abroad. So we've got a sample text posted there. And if again, with all of the things that I just uh, rattled off about how to vote from abroad in a concise paragraph, you could send that to your study abroad office at your alma mater and make sure those studying abroad this semester get that. That will go a long ways.
0: Are there specific states that you are focused on where the Democratic vote abroad could be the margin of victory? How are you shaping your campaigns around those specific states?
1: So much as the focus of the Democratic Party overall, we are also focusing in on where there are Senate seats up for grabs and where there are key governor's races. Our strategy as we entered 2022 and have executed throughout the year is a particular focus on those states. One other opportunity to plug uh, into if you are interested in volunteering are our state teams. Uh, so, we have, for example, Texans abroad or Arizonans abroad or Pennsylvanians abroad. And we're really trying to build community around the world of Pennsylvanians, for example, like myself, so that we can connect and plug into local networks and really make sure that everyone again gets the message that they can uh, and should vote from overseas. If you are listening to this and you're overseas, please vote. If you are listening to this in the United States and you have family or friends overseas, whether they are civilian or military, uh, again, if you have a U.S. passport, if you are a dual citizen and have a U.S. passport, you have at least one race to vote for this November. And it is going to be so important, again, that we not only keep, but that we grow our majorities in the House, in the Senate, in Washington, and really that we are winning again at the state level with these governorships and state legislatures. So please do vote. If you hit any snags, we are here to help. We have a fantastic volunteer voter assistance team ready to go to troubleshoot with you and make sure that you can exercise your right to vote from abroad.
0: Excellent. Well, Candice Kirsten, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for all of the work that you're doing with your org.
1: Really appreciate it, Jennifer. Thanks for the invitation.